Welcome to At Ease, a podcast for colored girls who fled corporate when six figures wasn't enough. Whether you decided to quietly quit, took a leap of faith, pursued your passion over a paycheck, or are building a side hustle, join me each week as we redefine success by reshaping our minds. I combine my lived experience and conversations with entrepreneurs and Black women to leverage thought work, to reconnect with our bodies, combat burnout, and build businesses. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 8 of At Ease. I'm super excited for this episode because Aaron Price is really the reason why I have the business that I have now. She started out as a real estate agent that I found on Instagram and has become a friend, a mentor, and she's just all around an amazing person. It's going to be in two parts because it went long. (laughs) Erin and I can talk and I like to keep episodes short. So I hope you enjoy this first installment. A little bit about Erin. She has a knack for identifying operational inefficiencies and resolving them. While she may call herself a real estate agent, she's so much more. She's an organizational operations expert, and she has a talent for identifying ineffective processes, broken links in organizations, and implementing sustainable, cost-effective remedies. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So please tell the people who you are, who you are, what you do, all of those things. I am Erin Price, realtor, consultant, and fixer, self-proclaimed fixer. Right now, taking over the world of real estate, one new Black woman investor at a time. Yes, and that's how we met. So I decided that I wanted to buy a property back in my um, hometown, somewhere in the Cleveland area, got on Mm -hmm. Instagram, started searching I don't know, Black Cleveland Realtor and your broker popped up and she connected us. And I'm sure it was by fate because you can't get rid of me now. (laughs) I know. You can't get rid of me. Friends. (laughs) What had you leaving corporate? I had my first nervous breakdown. Within the retail world, major brand names, Nordstrom, Nine West, big box retailers, smaller ones, you know, and kind of moved up through the ranks. When you're in management, it's like, you know, all gas, all the time, put yourself to the side. So my daughter had a really bad asthma attack, and I'm just like, you know, I don't don't think that I can come. And they're like, what? It's like the holiday weekend. It's Black Friday. You're supposed to be here at... And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Um, and not only that, but I was a, still already a young mother, because even though my daughter at this time was like 10 or 11, I had her when I was 16. So I'm still relatively young. So I remember feeling like I didn't have a voice. And I really internalized that experience. Ultimately, I believe that I did make it to work on Black Friday, but my daughter got sicker and ended up in the hospital. And they just, like, didn't care. And I literally just woke up one day and I was like, I ain't going. And then the the nervous breakdown was really kind of after that. I'm like, now I've been doing everything that they said that I'm supposed to do. And I'm like, but it's still not working out for me. Like, it it just really felt unfair. 
And I ultimately found out that that situation was really the first I felt unempowered, which is what I felt yeah. like being pregnant with my daughter when I was 16 because it was so traumatizing from how people yeah. talked about me and what they said. And, and I felt powerless because as far as they were concerned, they didn't care about any of the story to see this young pregnant girl. They didn't care that I was a straight A student. They didn't care that I was a cheerleader. They didn't care that I was definitely on track to get an education. And from having her on from that experience, it was like I was on this train with all this thing. I'm going to prove all these people wrong. And so that I had really been making all of my decisions based on proving people wrong, trying to get them to validate me. And that was my first experience that I wanted to say no, and I didn't yeah. know how. But that whole feeling and not being able to talk through it led to kind of like the first shutdown, nervous breakdown. That is how I decided to become an entrepreneur. Also, at that same time, I had some friends that had been buying property in Cleveland. But one of them, a clothing store. He was like, I don't know what to do with this. Unfortunately, him and his wife were getting a divorce. And she just kind of, that was her thing. And she kind of left him and left all of that. He knew retail from the aspect of cell phones. But for whatever reason, he could, he didn't think that he could apply it to, to the actual retail clothing product. He didn't know anything about vendor relations. He didn't know anything about buying. He just did not know what to do. But he did know that he didn't want to lose his money. He wanted to keep it going. We had a conversation and he was actually my very first client without me knowing that I had a client. I'm always like, oh, I'll help you. Oh, yeah, I can help you. I'll give you the information. You could just do this. And he was like, no, I'm going to pay you. And I'm like, really? It was roughly six or eight months. I went in. They didn't have anything. We did. I mean, I did HR manuals at that time. I used everything that I knew. I took every handbook manual, everything, because I'm a hoarder of information. <laughs> okay. You know, so you barely got jump drives then, you know. So I took pieces of everything that I had, um, pulled together a manual, broke down his whole process, who they were ordering from, calling around. I mean, but I had never felt so alive. And so it took us like eight months. We got it all cleaned up, clearance out all the old stuff, got him new vendors, got in new stuff, trained a new staff, got a new POS system. I mean, I was moving and shaking, didn't know what I was doing. I just was having a good time and making really good money for then. At the end of that, he was like, well, we got those, you know, we got those houses up in Cleveland. You think you would just keep an eye on them? Yeah. Give me some like timeline wise. Like how, how much time was like between you being like, I ain't doing this anymore with my job. Your daughter's like 10, 11 ish. And now you're doing this stuff with the store. Like how much time went between? Um, like what year? Right now, it? roughly a year, probably like okay. a year and a half. And then for his first project, it took us eight months to get the store turned around. Okay. We did a rebranding, like relaunch. Still, I did not recognize that as something that I could definitely do full time. That was not necessarily what was on my mind. 
I looked at that as a welcome break. I still mm. need that check every two weeks because that's what they say. And honestly, what I know now is like anxiety. I I was still feeling, I was feeling very weird though. Like, you know, you don't have a real job. You know, and I would be like, I need, I got, I still, I've got to get a real job. But would you say that you were still like waiting for something to go wrong? Of course. Okay. Not on it, but more so, more than waiting for something to go wrong, my primary thought was, what will people think of me? Mm. Like, which I went goes to back college. To, yeah. Wor- which goes worthiness. back to how you felt when you were pregnant. Yeah. Back to the worthiness thing. So that was really my most important thing. You know, they're going to think I'm just not doing nothing. It was a big to do, always. Yeah. For me, like they weren't going to see your work as valid. Exactly. And I already was dealing with the short, short, short end of the stick in my mind. You know, we already got because the black you were woman a conversation. Yeah. Yes. And all of that. And now on top of that, I'm a single mama and a teenage mama. And it was, it was rough. And I still didn't want people to, the things that were said to me, like, you just not, you're not about to do nothing. You don't have that baby. You don't you know, messed up, you know. Those were their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Those were their limiting beliefs based on what they perceived they could not or could, what they could or could not do. Exactly. And, um. Had they been in your shoes. Had they been in my shoes, correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it was a foreign concept. I think I was more disappointed in myself than my mom was. Like, she was very supportive. My mother, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm pretty sure as a parent, she had her moments in silence. She just never had them with me. She always had me feeling like Psh, I could do whatever. I needed a actual title and I definitely needed a different title than what had been given to me. You know, I wanted to be something more than mother. I wanted to be something more than, oh, you a teenage mama. Cause it's always like, oh, at least. Oh my gosh, you had a baby? When did you have her? Oh my God, you know? So I needed a different title. At that time, I needed something to stand on. That was pretty much the only thing I had. I thought at that time. I would lead with that. And it's so funny now that I really... You would lead, you would lead with what you were doing at the store. With yeah. the store. Okay. Yeah. I'm the store manager of, or I'm the DM of, or... Mm-hmm. I thought that I needed those things to lead with me before they found out. The other stuff, even though I wasn't ashamed of being a mother, but I had to lead because I felt like that was my significance. That showed my worthiness. That showed that I was smart. That showed that, because it was like people just forget everything else about you. Even at this age, it's still a thing. Really? Yes. Not for me. Your daughter is grown with her own overgrown career. She's doing phenomenal. You all right. (laughs) Like, it's still a thing. Yeah. Because people will go, you know, just sharing in in conversation. And people don't mean to do this, but they do it. And you don't realize what you're doing to people when you say some of these things. Um, I still get the, you doing good to have having a teenage mother. I am 45. It amazes me. And again, people don't, and I know that what they really want to say, you know, is, oh, you did good for yourself or whatever, but it's still, I did good for myself because of, 
not that I just of, did well for yeah. yeah not that I just did well I'm doing yeah. well for myself almost like there's it's conditional yes yes it's always conditional for me I still mm-hmm. not outrun it yes mm-hmm. yeah. all the time all the time I definitely felt like I still needed a job a big company or something because I definitely at that time in my life I had to have all the things yeah. Always had a lot of hair. It was long. It was relaxed. Had all the bags, all the labels. I was doing And I think all that's this. still I think that's still like really common. Yes. Right? Even if even if someone has a different story, right? It's mm-hmm. not that they were a they may not be a teenage mother, but for some people, and I could say even for myself, having like diminished like, oh, I didn't work at Facebook or I didn't work for Google or I didn't yes. work for Microsoft like you know it's I didn't work for Amazon right so my experience is less valid like that is literally I didn't necessarily say those things but I said oh I was a federal employee there's no yeah. way I could help these people over here because I don't <laughs> know what that's like you know as if because someone else had experience elsewhere it made their experience more valid I know now that's bullshit. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. But that is like a story yes. that we make up, you know, like we create this hierarchy in our we minds do. of what makes us those things, the bags. I tried to buy a bag one time. Waste of money. <laughs> it's like it just got thrown in the trunk of my car and I just did, did not care. And yeah. yet it, I still like fell victim to, I need something else. I need mm-hmm. a, a title and whether it's in title of, uh, what I do or in title of who my employer is as right. if my employer gives me some sort of validity that isn't already there. Correct. Yeah. Because yep. it's a yeah, lot so- of mediocre people walking around <laughs> in in all organizations. All of this. And a whole lot of amazing people, more than capable, that don't have any paper. So Exactly. Uh, but you learn exactly. that as you, you know, go on yeah. or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, I had I had it bad though. So you're in the store, you finish the project with the store, and he's mm-hmm. like, Can you help me with my properties? In Cleveland. In Cleveland. So I'm just overseeing them. So this is definitely like right after the big crash. So real estate was like the thing. Our auction was long every Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Sad. The docket for the properties. Thick. Now I'm trying to navigate. Information Junkie had to figure out how to help them evict their first person. And what no Google. I pulled together all the resources I could. I would get on that phone, call around. What do you do about this? Just all you had to do was give me the first step. And then I'm like, okay. All of that was always so exciting. But then when I figured it out, what I was actually going for was the reaction from people when they were like, you figured that out? Dang, you smart. Mm. You know, your mom clapped for you like, oh, good girl. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So... That was driving me with the worthiness. I was getting the validation, but I still didn't have a real title. We figured out how to evict these people. I done figured out the three-day notice. I done did it. And back then, you had to have the, you know, we did the camera on the disposable. Or it, you know, you didn't have no 
cell phone to do that. Yeah. I had learned about buying from the auction. I started a little side business. You know, it would be a whole thing to go and bid for people and Mm-hmm. People was paying me just to go and be it for them and go find stuff, ride past properties. Because then, I mean, like how MG say, oh, the, the cowboy days, they were really were in, in so many other ways. Because a lot of these houses will be open. So you go, you ride past, or you try to get in, get somebody to go in there and look at it. Once you, Yeah, it was so much fun. Finding those people and resources pretty much the same thing i'm doing now with an out-of-state investor vetting yeah. properties trying mm-hmm. to find people workers were much easier than dealing with maintenance problems um doing materials picking out paint so I, at that time i was also managing like just little small renovation projects and things like that and i was like i really like this i knew about new builds and new construction already a little bit because I worked for Nordstrom's when they first opened here, like in 97. I worked for them like 97, 98, but I volunteered when they opened the Columbus store to be on the new, the team. And so I went there. So we had zoning and all of that and all of the different inspections. Mm-hmm. So that's when I learned how to read plans and all of that. So I had a working knowledge of terminology, a little bit of code, once all of that kind of died down, I started working again. But from that experience, a friend of mine had a friend that was leaving corporate America herself. And she was going to open these daycares. And by now I'm back working probably almost two years. Hate it. What were you, you were working in like? Back in like retail. Another corp- oh, back in retail. Oh Lord. Okay. Corporate retail. I was a district manager for Claire's. Okay. Well, you had a title. <laughs> I was you in got charge. a title. You had I a was in job and a title. Miserable. Yeah, we got to be careful what we say we want. So, okay. <laughs> Your friend has a friend leaving corporate. She's going to, and this is the first time I ever heard of this, but she's a teenage mom too. She's going to take her money out of her retirement. Nobody was doing that. She was young enough to make the money again. Because we're like very early 30s. Maybe even, Yeah. And so I didn't care. She was just like, hey, can you just come? I'm going to get this daycare. Can you just come and help me? Here I go. Yeah, I need that. You know, yeah, I'll come help you. And she was like, you could just hire some people. You can do these things. And I'm like, yeah, I'll figure it out. We, you know, we'll make it. We, every major situation I went into, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I just did a very good job at figuring it out for them and that's what i realized about consulting people don't want to think for themselves people don't want to do for themselves they don't want to you think you're coming into it to teach them and to really help them no you're just coming in to do mm-hmm. yeah um and so and it was really what i kind of needed Um, now my daughter is like getting ready to go into high school and I'm like, oh, I'm a, oh, this will be a good break because roughly at that time, that project was going to take a year and a half center opens. And I'm like, okay, great. I said, when are you going to find your administrator for the center? And she was like, oh, you can't leave me. And I was like, I don't know anything about running a center. And she was like, well, you could just figure it out. 
can't you just figure it out? Just stay with me. She's like, okay, just a little bit longer. And I was like, okay. That ended up being some years. I agreed to stay, thinking that I would have all this time for my daughter. I would have more time to be able to go to the school. Just really more time for her and more time for myself. Time mm-hmm. to figure some stuff out. I finally wasn't going to have to work seven days a week. And mind you, I wasn't doing that while we were in the process of opening. Right before we opened, um, my mom just randomly says, you know, I want to move out. She was in a little condo. She's like, I'm going to move out my condo. You think I can move in with you? You know, come stay with you for a year. And I'm like, sure. I mean, we, we lived around the corner from each other. I mean, I was like, yeah. You know, not knowing at all what God was doing. I'm so grateful. But I was like, yeah, why not? I mean, so she came and she stayed with me. So the center opens. We have non-traditional hours. Yes, I'm fully staffed, but it's a brand new business. What are non-traditional hours? Some centers were 24 hours, depending on where you were. You know, and definitely when you... She had were, multiple centers? By the end of this, yes. Okay. Not None of ours were 24 hours. Okay. We did 6 to okay. midnight. Okay. And 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. on the weekends. Wow. And... Do that, does stuff like that even exist anymore? You can still find it in the inner city now. Definitely wow. pre-COVID. Not that I'm just about to drop my kids off, but... I live in Maryland, and I remember when I first moved here, this is such a sidebar, when I first (laughs) moved here, I found a daycare, dropped the boys off, and that first day I come back, and the lady's like, don't forget the 10-hour rule. I was like, what the hell is a 10-hour rule? And they're like, your kids can't be in the center for more than 10 hours in any given day. Mm -hmm. I said, well, let's do this math. I work a regular, traditional eight hour a day job I gotta take a lunch that's eight and a half hours that gives me 90 minutes to get to and from where I'm going and you want to berate me about the 10 a 10 hour rule and ma'am up out of here yeah and not only that but ma'am don't I mean come on now and I'm paying talking about and I'm paying anyway um, I'm sorry so no non-traditional okay. hours non-traditional hours you Mm -hmm. start with the first center she wants to keep you on as the administrator mom moves in you think you're about to have all this time with your daughter and i don't (laughs) (laughs) i quickly learned really what a new business commanded from you especially one with so many moving parts being responsible for people's children and then being responsible for your employees' families and well-being, making sure that payroll is done on time. Mm-hmm. From that perspective and, and going through the woes of a new small business, these were not conversations that I even knew to have. Are you ready? Do you have reserves? What we working with? What we don't? How we going to do this? How do we pay these people? That was on me. You had to figure it out. I mean, the pay period, how they work. Calculating payroll. Yeah. Doing 1099s the whole first year, knowing we were supposed to do that, but that's what you want to do. I was doing paper, payroll. And we had an accountant to do the stubs. Girl! <laughs> but I worked seven days a week straight up for the first year, and I was whooped. The second year, it wasn't too much better, but it was better. But 
I had flexibility, but I didn't have the freedom that I thought I could have. And flexibility for me meant that I could go and come as I please out of the center. I could go home, but I got to come back. If I don't got a bus driver and I can't find nobody, I'm driving the bus because we had transportation too. You know, if there isn't a teacher in the classroom and I don't have nobody to fill it, the state say we got to have these many people, I'm in here dealing with all kind of HR stuff. And which I'm, I'm grateful for that part about knowing what you are and aren't supposed to do. Because one thing's for sure, two things are certain in that situation, in that whole season, because I started to get other daycare owners and potential daycare owners as clients. Now I'm also working, still not knowing I'm doing a whole live business. Yeah, I help you. I know what I'm doing. That our people, we get something and you think that that gives you license to do what you want to do when you want to do. And I'm what like, you, mean? you can't tell folks you're going to pay them late. And then you, you just, or you that's can. what some of your clients were trying to do. Yeah. So you left, you left corporate thinking <laughs> you're going to have all this time. Mm -hmm. You actually ended up having less time than what you had. Less time, less sleep. <laughs> yeah. And no, and what, zero, zero, there was nothing left for myself. Or your daughter, I'm sure. No. Yeah, the little, little bit I did have did go to her, but. And so it was a blessing that. that your mom was in the house. A blessing. Yeah. And you got a teenager. I was really adamant about her having, you know, healthy experiences, having friends, doing activities. And so did that, that stuff fell on your mom? While yeah, some of the in-between stuff. Definitely didn't have a personal life, barely. I learned so much. What did you learn about yourself? And did you have any takeaways, like non-negotiables? Like, I did this and I'm not doing this again. Or I did this and I liked it and I'm going to continue to do this as I continue to... I guess at this point, you didn't know you had a business. At this point, I didn't know that I had a business, but at this point, the crazy thing was the childcare centers and that experiences was almost like an abusive relationship, a toxic mm. relationship, because there were so many things about it that were just so wrong, but because of a little bit of good or, or what was there, I just couldn't let it go, but I couldn't let it go for me. And it was doing me bad and it was showing me in every way that it was doing me wrong. I was sick most of the time. I was tired most of the time. Always saying yes. Always saying go. Always, always, always. With no support. But this is not my business. Like, I'm working this thing. Like, this is my money. My blood, sweat. And we're going to take a pause in our conversation until next week. If you want to find out how Erin combated burnout and how she is now building a business, prioritizing not just revenue, but also rest. You're going to have to join me back next week. Hope to see you then. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you like what you hear, please leave me a five-star review and share with a friend. I hope to see you back here next week for another episode. And until then, at ease.